We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time, but the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Hello and welcome to Lang the Points, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by my bookie. Uh, my name is Matt Lamarca. You can find me on Twitter at Matt Lamarca. And I'm joined, as always, by my dashing co-host, Kyle Dvorak, who you can find on Twitter, at KyleTweetsHere. Kyle, how's everything going? I mean, I was having a long day, you know, I got back from vacation, and I was, you know, time to get back to the grind. Season is on, but dashing co-host, I'm having a great day. It's actually right? been awesome. I'm so happy to be back in Ohio. I figured you'd like that. You know, Anthony sometimes used to call me dashing, and... It always made my day, so I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna start mixing, sprinkling some adjectives in, in there when I describe you. Uh, but like you said, we have made it to week one. We have done it. We did our uh, our NFL preview series. We hit all eight divisions. Went over our bets, our best bets, our favorite player props, uh, and I think we hit on some good ones. I think we're gonna make some money uh, with those this year. But now it is time to dig in to the good stuff. Uh, we got 16 games, but before we get into those, I want to remind you guys about the Rotoviz Patreon. Uh, become a Rotoviz patron, gain exclusive access to the Rotoviz Radio Slack channel, where you can ask questions and gain league-winning advice from many of the podcast and writing team. Patronships start at just $6 per month. Become a Rotoviz Radio patron today and join an exclusive community of listeners Sign up at patreon.com slash rotovizradio. All right, 16 games. Let's start with the season opener on Thursday night, one of the best rivalries in football. We've got the Green Bay Packers at the Chicago Bears. The Bears are favored by three at home, and the total on this game sits at 46 and a half. So basically... Bears minus three at home. What this is telling me is that Vegas views these two teams as pretty even on a neutral field. Um, Kyle, what are your thoughts here on this opening night contest? Yeah, I, I kind of, uh, we were short on the Bears season long, but we weren't like 
overtly back on the Packers. I think both of us are sort of, I mean, I think we were both on team Aaron Rodgers was probably overrated at some point in there because when you look at like adjusted yards per attempt, yeah, he's been good these past few years, 7.1, 8.1, 7.2, 8.1, but he's not there Aaron Rodgers basically since 2014. That was the last time we saw peak Aaron Rodgers. He's just not been the same dynamically efficient player that he's been in years past and he's still very good. But I, I'm not sure that uh, I'm as interested in the Packers. Like, I, I'm going to need to see it with them before I think Aaron Rodgers is all of a sudden, like, one of the best quarterbacks to ever play football. Like, I just don't see them as that team anymore. And I, I think they are roughly equal. So I, I'd be going with the Bears here. What do you What do you think? Yeah, so uh, one thing that you're going to learn about me is I, I love me some trends. And one of my favorite trends last year was favorites on Thursday night games because I really feel like the the short rest uh, benefits the superior team and we saw that play out week after week the better team uh, for the most part took care of business and covered last year but this is not a typical Thursday night game you know neither of these teams is on short rest none of their starters really played last week so both of these teams are coming off of you know more rest than usual as opposed to uh, fewer rest. So that said, the trends in this game still favor the Bears. Favorites uh, since 2003 in the opening night game. Favorites are 8-5-2, and two, and home teams are 10-3-2. and two. So that last trend, uh, I don't know if, you know, it's a pretty small sample size, but uh, there definitely might be something to playing at home on that opening night, uh, you know, and sort of getting in front of your fan base uh, for the first game of the year, they might be more jacked up than usual. But uh, I'm going to side with the Packers here. I uh, I think that the Bears are a prime regression candidate this year. You know, they lost some key pieces on defense. They, uh, they can't possibly generate as many turnovers as they did last year. And I think that the Packers, on the other hand, are due for some progression. You know, Aaron Rodgers... Uh, really a subpar season by his standards, but I think that the coaching change is going to sort of reinvigorate him. Uh, I also think that this might be some of the best weapons he's had since he's been, you know, since uh, the loss of prime Jordy Nelson. Uh, we know about Devontae Adams, but I love Marcus Valdez-Scantling, and I, I also really love Jake Kumaro. Like, he's a deep, deep dynasty guy that I've been on for a while, and I think that he's going to turn some heads this year. So... Uh, I will side with the Packers. I think that they're the better team here, and they're not being treated that way by Vegas. But I do think that it's you know a very slight lean for me. Yeah, I think this is uh, probably a pretty accurate line. And I think the struggle for me is that I want to be short Aaron Rodgers, but at the same time, how far are the Bears going to regress? Because it's not if they're going to regress or not. These elite defenses almost like they they every year the elite defense has regressed. It's just how far do they come crashing back down to earth. So until we sort of can get a better gauge on that, I almost want to stay away from this one. Uh, I think our next game we have will be the first Sunday game. Yes, we sir. have Falcons at Minnesota, minus four in favor of Minnesota, 48 total. Uh, this this should be a fun one in terms of, I, I think the 48 total is, is somewhat low. My only concern here, like my major concern at least, is what the basically the entire organization around Minnesota has been saying about wanting to ground and pound, get back to the old school style. Like that is not how you get to getting over. So for me, that's the one big concern. But I I kind of want to assume somewhat rational coaching, at least moderately rational, when you have Adam Thielen, when you have Stephon Diggs, when you drafted Irv Smith. So I, I can see how they hit a lot of unders if they truly do commit to running the ball. But uh, until I see that, I'm going to say that they're at least competent enough to pass a lot. And then the Falcons offense is an offense we were all over. Uh, Matt Ryan, even though he gets to go to the road, stays indoors. So I think this is the, like, uh, I really like the over at 48 here. I think this should be in contention for one of the higher totals on the slate. And it's not close. It's not up there. It's not even at 50 yet. There are a handful at 50. And I'm just, I'm almost not sure why it's not at least 49 and a half, 50 range. Yeah. I mean, the Vikings offensive philosophy really scares me. So they changed offensive coordinators heading into week 15 last year. And over those final three weeks of the season, they averaged 31 pass plays per game. Um, to put that in perspective, only four teams in the league averaged uh, fewer than 31 pass attempts per game last season. So I think that this is going to be a slow team, uh, a team that really wants to run the ball. 
and that obviously is is not good for overs. Um, it also scares me with the Falcons because if they turn this into a, a you know a ground and pound clock control kind of game, it means less possessions for their offense, and therefore the variance is going to be a little bit higher. So. Uh, I when I first saw this, I really liked the Falcons. I mean, I think the Falcons are the better team, and that's not what this line is telling me. You know, this line is saying that the Vikings are roughly one point better than the Falcons on a neutral field, and I don't agree with that. I just think that the Vikings this year could be sort of what we've seen from, you know, like the Dallas Cowboys in the past, a team that wants to really slow games down and sort of embrace that variant. So for that reason, I am a touch skeptical, but... Uh, if, if this game, you know, if the Vikings do decide that they, uh, you know, we're sending smoke screens out or whatever with that whole run game thing, you know, the Falcons can win a shootout with anybody. So I would love them if I knew that we were getting a fast paced game. I just don't think that that's the case. Yeah. So what you're saying is that you feel that the, the over on 48 and taking the Falcons would be the highly correlated. And that totally makes sense. When you think about the lower your total goes, the harder it is to cover like, any large spread just because the points are not going to be made there. So uh, I completely agree, especially with that aspect of what you're saying. And I think we'll know quickly what we're going to see with the Minnesota Vikings. Next, we have the Washington Redskins at Philadelphia. Philadelphia, a 10-point favorite, 45.5-point total. Uh, you have here a trend that I really like because I love me some Doug Peterson. 11-6 against the spread with extra time to prepare. Peterson has had a lot of time to prepare for an awful opponent in Washington. Uh, it's a large spread to cover, but can they do 10? Yeah, I really like the Eagles this year. I think that the Eagles uh, honestly might be a little bit undervalued in the betting market right now. Uh, if you look at their offense, they are just loaded top to bottom. I mean, arguably the best tight end duo in the league. They still have Alshon Jeffrey. They add an elite field stretcher into Sean Jackson, a really exciting rookie receiver in J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. And one of my favorite, uh, you know, late or mid round fantasy type sleepers this year in Miles Sanders. So I think that this team, as long as Carson Wentz stays healthy, which is always the big X factor with him, I think that they are going to be, uh, really explosive on that side of the ball. And you see that, you know, when you factor the 10 point spread in with the total, they own the highest implied team total on the, uh, you know, the Sunday main slate. So, uh, I think Philadelphia puts up plenty of points here. Uh, I don't see the Redskins keeping pace with Case Keenum at quarterback. You know, I will probably be more interested in buying the Redskins once they make the transition to Dwayne Haskins. But uh, for this game, for opening night, I think that the Eagles uh, make a little bit of a statement here. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think what Deshaun Jackson brings to this team really can't be understated. Even though he's a guy who's not going to get a ton of targets— the targets he's getting are so high value, not only when you talk about fantasy, but the value they add, like, plus EV moves are these, like, high variance, uh, like, yeah, are they going to hit on a lot of deep balls? Not a ton, but when they do, they can swing the outcome of games, or in this case, they can swing the outcome of the spread, because I don't think this one will ever be that close. I, I, I like Philadelphia. I agree that this is a team that we talk about organizations run well. They're doing everything to make this offense you know, two, three deep at every position where they can just rotate guys in, have fresh players who are really good as opposed to other teams, second players who are not nearly as good. I just think this offense is going to, like, this defense doesn't have to, have to be good. It doesn't matter. I know they had a lot of injuries on their defense last year. Even if that happens again, I really love what this offense is going to bring. We've got a much uglier, well, kind of much uglier game. Two teams I'm not too interested in betting about. Buffalo Bills at New York Jets. Jets are a three-point favorite. These teams are supposedly equals, but Jets are hosting. 41 total is one of the lower ones we'll have on this slate. What are you doing with this one? Because for me, it, this is tough. These are two teams that I'm not awfully interested in. And when that happens, I tend to side with the better quarterback for me because I think that's the biggest deciding factor. And for me, that's that's easily Sam Darnold. Yeah, I, I like the Jets here. I mean, I don't love the Jets. I'm always going to be a little bit skeptical of the Jets because I'm a, you know, a Jets fan and I try not to, you know, see games through my green and white glasses. But, you know, I think these two teams are, are pretty similar, you know, like young, young quarterbacks, uh, above average to good defenses. But the difference makers here is I think that the Jets at the skill positions have a wide edge. I mean, obviously, Le'Veon Bell is the, is going to be the best offensive player in this game. 
Um, you know, especially compared to the Bills, you know, three-headed crap facta of Frank Gore, TJ Yeldon, and who knows how much we'll see Devin Singletary. But, um, and then out, out wide, I, I think that Jameson Crowder gives this team a nice, you know, underneath target in the slot. They have Robbie Anderson, uh, you know, to play sort of that Deshaun, Deshaun Jackson role over the top. So, uh, I like the Jets here. I think that, you know, they, they're a team that, uh, a lot of sharp people that I respect think uh, are undervalued right now. And uh, they're saying that by the end of the year, we could be looking at Sam Darnold as, you know, one of the better quarterbacks in football. And if that happens, we're going to look back on this spread and say, you know, why weren't the Jets favored by a touchdown here? So uh, I think that I, I like the Jets here. If uh, if we get some Sammy D pro- pro- uh, progression, I think that uh, they they should be able to take care of business here. Yeah, Darnold even looked hot. I want to say he was like it was passer rating, like QBR, all the efficiency metrics down the stretch. He was just dominating. So yeah, I think and, uh, in and terms a very, of a very strong preseason for him and the starting offense as well. Yeah, for whatever that's worth. I mean, it's it's not worth nothing. Is it worth a lot? Probably not. But it does make you think that there's a decent chance that his success towards the end of last season is just going to carry over into this season, which given his talent profile, I think he was a guy I personally was very high on coming out uh, of college. And it seems like you were, too. You might be a Darnold believer. I I think this offense could take a step forward. And that's that's pretty important for me betting them. I I like Jets minus three. You've talked me into feeling actually kind of solid about this. All right. Well, again, you know. Don't let me put the green and white glasses on you. Try to. Try no, to... I'm a Jets fan now. I'm full Jets fan. <laughs> Gang green. Let's go. All right. Next game, we've got the uh, the Baltimore Ravens. They are laying six and a half on the road at Miami. Lowest total of the week at just 37 and a half points. Um, this is a tough game to handicap right now. We've got a lot of you know weather uncertainty in Florida with the big hurricane rolling in. Um, one thing that I do find interesting, Ravens are a notoriously better home team than they are a road team. And if you look specifically, uh, with the Ravens as a road favorite of four to seven points, they are five and 10 against the spread since 2003. So again, relatively small sample size, but it does sort of fit that narrative that the Ravens are a much better home team than road team. Um, we'll see. Maybe that changes now with, you know, Lamar Jackson at the helm as opposed to, uh, you know, Joe Flacco has taken the majority of starts for them over that time frame. Maybe that ground game will travel better. But uh, I'm a little bit skeptical here, especially considering that the, the, the fact that this spread has dropped from seven, which is, you know, widely considered one of the most important numbers in football to just six and a half. So as much as we don't like the Dolphins, I think they might be the correct side here. Am I, am I crazy, Kyle? No, I very much agree. And like we were talking about earlier, as you get these low totals, it becomes so much harder to cover large spreads because you were like, that means a lot of the scoring that is expected to happen in this game comes in your favor. So for me, I think that's actually really sharp. And I also think that as the total goes lower, you would expect the, the spread just to shrink more and more. And if this is a game that faces inclement weather, we could just have like, a really disgusting scrappy game. I think Dolphins are easily like the right side of history for this one. That's that's a weird thing to say. The, the Dolphins are on the right side of history here, but I, I would back the Dolphins in this one. I mean, listen, that's part of being a better is just finding the undervalued teams. And I'm not saying that the Dolphins are good. I'm not saying that they're... No even one would good. ever say that. No <laughs> one would ever say that. I'm not even saying that they're average. But when you have a team like this that nobody wants to bet on, their lines are typically going to be a little bit inflated. And I mean, if you look at the betting numbers right now, 83% of the tickets that are coming in are coming in on Baltimore. So they're going to do whatever they can to sort of entice some Miami action. And uh, at least on my case, it's probably going to work. Oh, it, it's working for me. It is definitely working for me. Next game, we have Kansas City as a three and a half point favorite at Jacksonville. The 52 point total. Highest on the main slate, I believe. I guess we'll have a, a really fun one coming up uh, later in the in the week. But uh, what do you what do you think of this game? Because this is sort of the ultimate uh, unstoppable force meets an immovable object with the Jacksonville defense, which two years ago was what we saw from Chicago last year. And of course, Kansas City, I think the number two scoring team of all time. We expect that to regress a little bit, but I think we could see Jacksonville 
come up a little bit in terms of they fell off last year compared to two years ago, but a lot of those core players are still there. So I'm kind of interested in Jacksonville. What what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I mean, the Jags are shaping up as one of the, you know, sharpest sides of the week. Um, The spread opened up at four and a half here. It's dropped to three and a half. Uh, 71% of the bets are landing on the Chiefs, but the Jaguars have the slight edge in money, 51%. So that tells me that the substantial money, the pro money, that's what's coming in on Jacksonville. And like you said, I mean, the Jags have the pieces to put together a good season. Um, I think a healthy Leonard Fournette, as much as we like to joke that running backs don't matter, I think that on a team like Jacksonville, his impact is more than on a team like, you know, the Chiefs per se. Um, when you don't have that elite quarterback, the ability to lean on a running back uh, definitely provides more value, in my opinion, especially since they seem more committed to getting Fournette the ball in the passing game this year, uh, at least if the preseason is any, any indication. And Kansas City last year was historically bad at stopping the run. They were 32nd in rush defense DVOA and by like a comical margin. Um, that doesn't matter when you're winning, you know, big and turning every game into a track meet. But if the Jags can keep this game close, that could definitely be, you know, a factor where they can salt this game away by sort of feeding Fournette on the ground. So uh, I'm siding with the sharp money and I'm definitely taking the Jags here if I'm taking a side. That said, I'm still obviously a little bit scared of, of Mahomes and that explosive juggernaut offense. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. You never feel good about betting against Mahomes, but I do think the the trends are in favor of Jacksonville. Now we've got Tennessee at Cleveland. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we've had some sharp money kind of come on Cleveland. Uh, Cleveland, five and a half, 45.5 total. Uh, I'm not sure what there's to like about Tennessee. Yeah, I mean, this is a weird one because if you look at the betting numbers, you would think that the sharp action is on Tennessee. Uh, they've got 30% of the tickets, but 65% of the money. Yet for some reason, this mine, this line moved from five to five and a half in certain places. So it's definitely a weird one to decipher. Uh, I, this honestly is a game where I really don't have a great feel one way or the other. Like Bill Simmons says that these games with spreads of like five, he calls these Vegas zone games and, this, this game is squarely in the Vegas zone. <laughs> like, if you, be- <clears throat> excuse me, if you believe in Cleveland, this line probably seems, you know, comically low to you, but Tennessee is just one of those teams that plays everybody sloppy and tough. And it seems like whenever you're facing the Titans, they manage to bring out the worst in you. And I mean that as a compliment to Tennessee. Like, there's a reason that they finished nine and seven for three straight years, and yet everybody thinks that they stink. So uh, I'm I'm avoiding this game. If I had to pick a side again, I would side with Cleveland because I am bullish on what that offense can do. You know, with a full season of uh, Odell Beckham joining Baker Mayfield, uh, Nick Chubb was the number two running back according to Pro Football Focus last year. And now he's sort of is the unquestioned bell cow in that backfield. Duke Johnson is gone. Uh, Kareem Hunt not going to play for the first, you know, half of the season. So uh, unless you're a big Damon Hilliard fan, uh, it seems like uh, Chubb is going to get a massive workload here for the Browns. And I think that's a good thing, obviously. Uh, so I, I will take Cleveland. But again, I just don't like betting games that the Titans are involved in. It feels like they always end up being gross. Yeah, I think you summed up what I would say really well. The the line the line movement's weird on this one. The way that it seems like we've got sharp money, it's just it's just weird to me. And I, I don't know. I don't have any sharp leans on this one. This next one is, is one I have a good. I feel like I have a good take on same. the L.A. Rams. Uh, I think we're going to be on the same side of this one. The the L.A. Rams are two and a half point favorites at Carolina with fifty total. You go ahead and say it. I just don't get this line at all. I mean. I understand Cam Newton is a little bit dinged up, but as long as his arm is back to being, you know, what we've seen from him in the past, this line is is definitely inflated on the Rams side. <clears throat> uh, this is basically saying that if this game was in Los Angeles, the Panthers would be eight and a half point dogs. 
And I just think that's ridiculous. I mean, Carolina with Cam at full strength last year was six and two. They were one of the better teams in the league. And the Rams last year, despite their, you know, run to the Super Bowl and their gaudy win total, they struggled to cover games basically from like week five on. So I think that we're definitely getting a couple points of spread value here with the Panthers. Uh, this is one of my favorite plays of the week. Yeah, I'm super excited for what the Carolina Panthers offense can do. So for me, I, I like that two and a half. Uh, I'll take the Panthers on that. And I also love this total. I think this has probably the best chance to be the highest total of the week, uh, or at least of the main slate. So for me, I think I think this game could be like one of the Rams shootouts we saw, like borderline with like the Saints and with Kansas City, where I, I really think these are going to be two of the premier offenses. I like the Panthers, and I love this total. Yep, and again, another game with a big discrepancy in terms of tickets versus dollars. Uh, the Panthers right now, 30% of the tickets, 57% of the dollars. And that's why we've seen this number drop off of the key number of three to two and a half. Uh, books are way more hesitant to move off of those key numbers like three and four and seven uh, unless they feel like they have a major liability. And that tells me that the Sharps love the Panthers and, uh, yeah, I'm definitely not in the business of fading the Sharps. I think that more often than not, you want to be on their side. So uh, the Panthers, for me, definitely one of the stronger plays in the week. And uh, you'll probably see them making an appearance for me later on in the show. Yeah, I, I just I, I think this is going to be an exciting game. I like the Panthers. I think you I think I've found my fifth lock, a little spoiler alert, I think this is going to be the game of the week in terms of points. I'm Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. I'm Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. All right. Uh, it's a new season. Antonio Brown is on the Raiders. Le'Veon Bell is with the Jets. And Odell Beckham is in Cleveland. The one thing that hasn't changed, where I'm putting my money down on all the games. My bookie is the place to bet on football every weekend. My bookie has better bonuses and more prop bets than any other sports book, period. This year, they're hosting the first online handicapping super contest. First place is guaranteed to win at least $100,000, and it costs only 100 bucks to enter. All you have to do is pick five NFL games against the spread each week to climb the leaderboard and score your share of the huge cash prize pool. Uh, I would only recommend a service to my listeners that's been good to me. That's why my bookie is always the right play. You bet, you win, and they pay. Uh, my bookie also has live in-game betting on every NFL game. They've got the most rewarding player perks in the business. And for you fantasy guys out there, you can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score in each game. Uh, right now, you can get a special deposit bonus. You can double your first deposit up to $1,000. Just use promo code ROTOVIZ to activate the offer. Uh, visit my bookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use promo code ROTOVIZ, R-O-T-O-V-I-Z, when creating your account to claim the bonus. Uh, MyBookie.ag, you bet, you win, you get paid. All right, let's move on to the uh, the afternoon contests. I guess technically they're all afternoon contests, right? But the late well, afternoon on, contests. It just depends on where you live. Yeah, it depends on where you live. Fair point, fair point. We gotta We got to show some love to our... West Coasters out there, which, by the way, I love Pacific Time. 
I love it. Every time I'm out in Vegas, I'm like, my God, I got to just live here. Like, the football starts at 10. The Sunday night game is over by like 7, 8 o'clock at night. You can go out and do something afterwards. It's just the best. Uh, shout out to the West Coast. The left coast is the best coast. Uh, all right, first game here, we've got the San Francisco 49ers at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, the, the total on this game is 50.5. Uh, the spread is a pick'em. Kyle, I think you like the offenses here, so why don't you tell me about it? Yeah, I think this uh, this and the Rams game are the two games to watch if you like offense in terms of uh, what we have going on Sunday. Right now, uh, I think we you are very high on San Francisco, and I don't think they're a bad team. I still think this could be a good offense. I am particularly high on Tampa Bay's offense. I think this could be one of the biggest turnaround offenses in terms of last year. They were actually they put up points and they were a great passing team. They just turned it over so much. But Bruce Arians said, uh, you know, take it for what it's worth. But they've been focusing on limiting his interceptions. But I really just think what he brings to this offense is that they are going to be going so deep, so vertical. I think that pairs well with what Jameis wants to do. And now we're finally going to get a full slate of Chris Godwin for the entire season, assuming he stays healthy. The same can be said for O.J. Howard. He will be like. He's everyone's favorite breakout tight end. Not only that, but he is so incredibly efficient. Like, sure, he's people's breakout tight end for fantasy, but he's also on a per-target basis the best tight end over the past two years. Each of the past two years, yards per target, he's the best tight end. So for me, I just think these could be two efficient offenses, especially Tampa Bay, and two atrocious defenses. San Francisco last year, 28th in points allowed. Tampa Bay, 31st. Uh, I'm excited to take the over in this, and I think I want to take the Bucks, but I feel more confident in the over. Yeah, I mean, the, the Bucks, I, I tweeted this the other day, but the Bucks, like, fantasy ADPs are easily the, the, like, biggest anomaly to me in fantasy this year. Like, you've got Mike Evans, who's a second rounder in every draft. You've got Chris Godwin, who goes, like, typically he's going in, like, the third round now, uh, you know, fourth round at the latest. And then you've got OJ Howard, who's, like, a fifth or sixth round pick. So, how are all of those guys going to live up to their ADP and Jameis is not going to be like a top five fantasy quarterback? Um, that's just an aside. It, I think you either have to be like substantially higher on Jameis if you believe in all those ADPs or you have to be substantially lower on, you know, guys like Godwin and Howard. So, uh, I haven't really firmly decided what camp I'm in yet. I mean, I definitely think, I definitely see the upside. Like you said, the vertical Bruce Arians offense fits Jameis and fits these weapons like to a T. Um, if he can limit the turnovers, they have a chance to be the best offensive unit in the league. Uh, but that said, the 49ers, you know, I talked about this a lot when we did our preview show. They were top 10 in early down success rate, both offensively and defensively last year. One of the only teams in the league that can say that. They were kind of plagued by, uh, you know, just horrific turnover uh, differential and a really tough schedule. So uh, I think that the 49ers are going to be my pick here. I think that, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo has shown us that when he's on the field in an NFL regular season game, he is a really good quarterback, you know, week one last year being the big exception. And I know that he had a rough preseason, but if you do believe in the 49ers, this is probably your best opportunity to uh, to buy low on them. Yeah, that's definitely, if you want the 49ers, this is the time to get them. Uh, a team we were both excited for coming up, Detroit. Uh, that's not the team, by the way. <laughs> My, we're both super excited for Detroit. Detroit, uh, two and a half point favorites at Arizona, 46 and a half point total. Uh, does Vegas not see, I mean, I guess they had a bad preseason, sure, but it's preseason, like, I, I don't put too much stock into it. I, I'm just excited for Arizona. I think the only thing that could mitigate this for me is that Detroit could have a – if they have a successful rush attack, they could stifle the pace that Arizona wants to play at. And if that gets in the way of what they want to do, sure, I can see Detroit making some noise here. But for me, this is all Arizona all the way. Yeah, I mean, listen, there are people out there who hate the Cardinals. Um, we don't get it. We think that if you believe in analytics, you believe in the passing game, that – Arizona sets up as uh, an opportunity to buy in on all of those things that we think are good in football. Um, but their win total is still only five games. 
um, and which is one of the lower marks in the league. So Detroit being favored by two and a half on the road is ridiculous to me. Um, I, I think that the Cardinals will be better than the Lions this year. So I am happily grabbing the points here. I hear your concerns. Uh, Detroit was one of the slowest teams in the league last year. I think that they are going to want to keep the pace of this game down. But uh, when the Cardinals have the ball, they can they can dictate their own pace. And we didn't really see it much from Kingsbury during the preseason. But I expect once the games start to actually matter for something, we're going to see you know the speed come out on offense, more four wide receiver sets, more you know Kyler Murray doing Kyler Murray type things. So uh, again, I'm buying the Cardinals. I'm super high on their win total. Uh, I, I think that this is a one of the best bets of the week. Yeah, I, I love I two and a half. Are you telling me that on a, I can't imagine taking Detroit. I I understand that there are people who don't like the Cardinals, but those people are what we call dumb. So I just don't get it. <laughs> we've got <laughs> I'm so gonna regret this if it doesn't work out. Uh, we've got Cincinnati at Seattle. Seattle a whopping nine and a half point favorite, a forty four total. Uh, we both love Russell Wilson, but we both also hate Brian Schottenheimer. How do you reconcile those two things? Yeah, I mean, when I, when I'm not sure on a game, I'm just gonna default to Russell Wilson, particularly at home. You know, maybe the Seahawks home field advantage, uh, these days is not as good as it was back in their prime, but Wilson's still 32, 21, and 3 against the spread career when playing at uh, Seattle. I think that uh, Cincinnati, as much as I think they can do some things on offense, uh, you know, the the Jadavian Clowney thing for, for Seattle could uh, really bolster their pass rush. We'll see how this, this plays out. I'm, a, I'm, not, I'm not in love with Seattle here, but I do think that, uh, like I said, when in doubt, back the GOAT, Russell Wilson. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. This is a, a strong line to beat, but if there was someone to do it, it, it's probably Russell Wilson. I think this Cincinnati team could be really bad. I am not – we'll talk uh, – spoiler alert, I'll be talking about them later, but I think they could be a catastrophic failure of a season. I, I'm ready to move on to the Indianapolis Colts, Colts at L.A. L.A. is six-and-a-half-point favorite, a 45-point total. Uh, I, I feel like – this is uh, a bit disrespectful to Andrew Luck because this should have – I'm not sure how the Chargers don't annihilate Indianapolis Colts unless, you know, can you sell me on Jacoby Brissett? Not against this defense, I can't. Um, you know, again, I have issues with the Chargers and their play calling, their coaching, but talent-wise, this is a this is a pretty darn, darn large mismatch. Um, you know, uh, I, there are some people out there – who think that this Colts team is talented. Uh, I don't really see that. I mean, yeah, their offensive line is okay. Uh, they have a good middle linebacker, I guess, for whatever that's worth. But Yeah, I'm sure it's, that's huge in the NFL <laughs> yeah. these days. The, the Chargers are just by far the better team. They, they're better basically across the board. Uh, I don't care about Melvin Gordon being absent. We talked about it on the AFC West show. I actually think that it might work as a positive for them and, and force them into some better, you know, game plan execution, at least early in games. So I will back the Chargers here, but um, betting large favorites is not one of my, uh, one of the ways that I, I think you're going to make a lot of money long term. So I'm going to be careful, but I do think that the, the Chargers are the correct side. Yeah, generally speaking, I think we'll see a lot of, like, soft money on the largest favorites. It's just they're, they're public teams. People see those numbers and think, oh, yeah, the Chargers will crush that. Uh, and, and in general, that's not always the case. But I do think in this scenario, I think the Chargers athletic defense should destroy Jacoby Brissett. Yes. All right, New York Giants at Dallas. Dallas, a touchdown favorite on the dot, 45-and-a-half point total. Uh, how, how bad does New York suck? I mean, this is a touchdown favorite as large to cover Dallas is getting back Zeke. I'm sure that I, I think there were gigantic swings in the line because of that. You could correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't. I wouldn't even worry about it. I'm sure I'm not. <laughs> no, I think like the juice moved like from minus one ten to minus one fifteen or something. <laughs> I think Bales had a good tweet about that. Yes, he did. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, this this line probably already accounted for Zeke. Uh, you know, being in the lineup, but it's still funny. You know, right? Like. 
Uh, if your if your team running backs don't matter, it's it's pretty funny that one of the best running backs in the league came back to his team and the line didn't move at all. But uh, I really like the Giants here. I mean, I don't see the Cowboys as being a touchdown fa- uh, touchdown better than them even at home. Um, and if you look historically, betting NFC East underdogs in divisional games has been profitable. They are one hundred eighty seven and five since 2003. So, um, you know, most of the attention during the preseason was focused on Daniel Jones for the Giants, and rightfully so. I mean, his preseason was otherworldly good. I mean, his completion rate, considering his yards per attempt, uh, was, like, really special. I mean, it, it really made me reconsider what I felt like I knew about Daniel Jones. So, uh, I think that the Giants fans out there have reasons to be optimistic about the future. But, what that did was it sort of undershadowed the fact that Eli Manning himself was pretty good in the preseason. And I know they're not going to have Golden Tate, but they still have Sterling Shepard. Uh, they still have Evan Ingram, who is apparently poised for a really big year, if you believe the beat writers. They still have Saquon Barkley. Uh, and I think that they have some pieces on defense to at least keep this game competitive. You know, that's the thing about the Cowboys is they are not the type of team that is built to establish a big lead and run away from you. So I like the Giants here getting the seven. Uh, I typically will side with underdogs in these NFC East games, but for sure when I'm getting a full touchdown. Yeah, I, I'm totally with you, and especially when we just talked about not wanting to bet the large favorites. I, I could agree more. This is a good time to get back to the norm. Uh, just with everything you said, I, I don't think I think the Cowboys are going to want to like they always do. They just want to they just want to run the ball. Just just let the Cowboys run, and that is conducive to low scoring games. And that means that New York is probably not going to have a hard time covering the spread, even though you know we don't expect them to win. But yeah, I, I just everything you said, fully on board with that. And it sounds gross, but totally take New York Giants, just short the Cowboys. All right, Sunday night, uh, one of the better games of the week. We've got the Pittsburgh Steelers who. I was low on, but a lot of people seem to really like. They are heading up to New England to take on the Patriots. The Pats are five and a half point favorites coming off. Uh, I lost count, but I think it's like their 97th Super Bowl. Does that sound uh, no, right? No, 94th. No, 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 94th. 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 Okay. You, um, you were counting the times they lost to Eli Manning as wins. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, the total on this game is 49 and a half and Every time I look up these Patriot numbers, it just blows my mind. Uh, since 2003, the Pats are 153, 95, and 8 against the spread. That's over a 60% win rate. Like, if you just blindly bet the Pats every single week, every single year, you would be up money. Uh, maybe this is the year that it changes, but... I don't see why. I mean, they are they are as talented as they were last year, if not more talented. Uh, the only thing is, will Brady, you know, continue to do what he does at 97 years old? So one year for each Super Bowl win, by the way. Um, I I don't see any reason really to fade them, and I think you need a pretty go- pretty darn good reason to go against the Pats, and uh, I just don't see one. So give me New England minus five and a half here. Yeah, I, I completely agree, and I think the the like the coming back of Josh Gordon completely solidifies just how efficient this offense is going to be able to be because we see them all the time where it's like, how do they get away with running the ball like, at league high rates? It's because when they pass the ball, they are so much better than everyone else, and I think Josh Gordon just fits perfectly with that. He's the highest AYA guy he uh, the Brady has ever thrown to in his career on over fifty targets. It's him than Gronk, but it's a it's a gap between him and Gronk. It's eleven point five AYA to Gronk's eleven point one, and you know it, that's that is saying something that Josh Gordon is more efficient when Brady targets him than Gronk. Than yeah, you know, obviously is a small sample size, but a small sample. You expect that to come down, but I still think he will be the best receiver. I, when you look at what Josh Gordon did in Cleveland with some of the worst quarterbacks, like to grace the NFL, <laughs> add that to Tom Brady, and I think their per-pass stats will just be out of this world. And, of course, like you said, just blind bet the Pats. Why would you ever? Until until the day that Belichick heals over and Brady, uh, I don't know, ascends to the next level of whatever he's doing, just blind bet the Pats. 
<laughs> I, I really want to know what it is going to be for, for Tom Brady. Maybe like a line of home video workouts. Um, maybe he'll become like a, you know, like a TV chef. Dude, I think he's going to be a cult leader. <laughs> maybe a cult leader. I think that's definitely in play. All right, let's move on. We've got the Monday night double header here. Uh, game one, Houston Texans at the New Orleans Saints. Uh, the Saints are favored by seven. We have a 52 and a half point total. Um, listeners from last year know that I have a, uh, an affinity for Drew Brees at home in primetime games. Um, I, I believe last year I said that he was a hundred and no against the spread in that situation. And he won at least once or twice while I was bringing that trend up. So I'm going to improve that to 102 and 0 against the spread. Uh, in reality, though, I did run the numbers. Drew Brees at home in prime time, 21 and 9 against the spread. So while it's not 102 and 0, it's still pretty darn effective. So we both like the Texans. I think we were both a little bit, uh, you know, bearish on the Saints. What do you think about this game here? Is is primetime Drew Brees enough to scare you, or are you buying the Houston Texans? I am going to buy the Houston Texans. I think uh, the when you get the combination of Will Fuller and Deshaun Watson, the results have been unbelievable. It's like it's like a like eleven or twelve touchdowns in almost as many games. Uh, it's just the efficiency we can see from this offense will be off the charts. And I think the Saints still win this game, but I think seven is a, a wildly large spread for them to cover. Uh, yeah, primetime Drew Brees will have to wait at least a few more weeks. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, I just can't get over a full touchdown in this game here. Um, I respect the Superdome, I really do, but... This is too good of a team to be giving a full touchdown, especially like you said, when they're at full strength, you know, with Will Fuller, like Deshaun Watson with Will Fuller and um, DeAndre Hopkins in the lineup has been like one of the best quarterbacks in the history of the league. Now you give him uh, Kiki QT, you give him Kenny Stills, give him Duke Johnson, you give him Duke Johnson out of the backfield. As long as the protection can hold up, and that's the one big thing with the Texans, right? Deshaun Watson was sacked, I believe it was 62 times last year. And the Saints pass rush is not bad. As long as they can keep him upright, this offense is going to be outstanding. So uh, they brought in Laramie Tunsil. That should hopefully help shore up some of the issues on the offensive line. But is it enough to uh, get that group over the top? I think that remains to be seen. Still, there's there's too much talent here on both sides of the ball for me to uh, to lay a full seven with the Saints. Yeah, that's just a large number for the Saints to be covering there. Uh, our final game, the second part two of Monday night, the Denver Broncos are one point favorites at Oakland with forty three and a half total. Uh, I'm inclined to just go with what I think is a wildly better team. I was kind of low on the Broncos when we talked about their win total, but not like I was with the Raiders. So for me, uh, it's Denver here. You know, I, I think, do you have, uh, do you have any lean as to how the time could affect this? Cause it's the 10 o'clock game, I believe, because when we have the two Monday nights, they split up seven and 10. Yeah. I mean, both of these teams though are West coast teams. So I don't think that that should have a huge impact on the game. I mean, it'll basically be like playing a regular primetime game for those teams. Um, you know, maybe a little bit later than usual, but they do have the benefit of getting to prepare for that game for, you know, an extended period of time. So uh, I'll tell you what I'm inclined to do with this game, and that's turn it off. I will go to bed. <laughs> like yeah for the first east coast people what's this gonna end like past one in the morning oh yeah and like i mean we'll have a thursday night game we'll have a whole heap of football on sunday and i'll have a, a really hopefully entertaining game to watch on monday night i don't need to watch this game i'm sorry knock on wood if you're with me thank you yeah let's let's end on the high note with houston at new orleans and let's also end with our five-pack picks. We each have five of our favorite bets that we talked about. We've spoiled some of them already, but we each have five. Uh, I'm going to start with one that I talked about, and I want to add a little context to is San Francisco, Tampa Bay. I want to take the over on this game's total. Uh, an interesting note that I didn't get to bring up earlier while we were going through them is both these teams were incredibly good at producing yards. 
And yards are typically what leads to points. It's hard to score or it's hard to not score points when you're moving the ball so well. But I think just general variance and especially turnovers for yeah. Tampa Bay led both them Tampa Bay especially. Yeah, actually, I mean, both these teams caught, I'll say some bad beats, although James is kind of bad, but uh, so is Ryan Fitzpatrick. And they got rid of Fitzpatrick. We see Jimmy Garoppolo come back. And if there's one thing I was saying that we saw um, the backup quarterbacks in San Francisco play particularly well. Garoppolo will throw less interceptions. I think that is the one lock I could tell you that he will definitely provide an advantage over the other quarterbacks is I think they will be able to find the end zone much more. Tampa Bay was second in yards per game and San Francisco was 14th. They were, let's see, 22nd for San Francisco in points per game and 11th for Tampa Bay. These were teams that were double digits away or if not close from their yards rank to their points per game rank. Those gaps have to close. Simple regression says those have to close. Both of these should just score more points across the year than they did last year. So I, I love this game. Like it. Uh, this is going to be the week of the home dog for me. Um, I did some research on this. I mean, home dogs early in the season in particular, that's when they are at their most profitable. And it makes sense, right? Like we have the least amount of information that we will ever have uh, about these teams this season. So the lines are not going to be as... Uh, precise as they will be later in the season. Like, if a team is going to be a three-point road favorite in week eight or nine, like, there will be enough evidence to prove that they deserve to be that. So, I'm going to be taking uh, a lot of home dogs, and my favorite is the Panthers plus two and a half. So, I will lock them in as my first pick, but uh, expect to see a few more from me here. Uh, I'm going to steal one if this is a draft from you. I'm going to steal the one I like the most. Give me Arizona minus two and a half. We talked about how this team, this offense, even if Detroit does slow the pace of the game down, we still look like Arizona to run their high-flying offense. I, I just love Arizona. I think the weapons they're surrounding Kyler Murray with are so perfect for what he wants to do or what they want him to do that, uh, yeah, Arizona minus two and a half. I, I would take them to win this game, honestly. Yep, no draft. Uh, I will take the Cardinals as well. You know, we can share the money, Kyle. I'm fine with that. We can you know? actually, you know what? Let's make it a six pack. Let's make it a six pack and we bet Arizona twice. <laughs> we can share the money. So, uh, the cards are, are again, they are, uh, gonna be my second pick. I'm locking them in as well. Uh, I'm going to go the Patriots here. And before we were talking about some interesting, uh, interesting trends we've got going. Uh, we often hear the narrative that the Patriots tend to start, start slow. We get the uh, Tom Brady is washed. I remember it was um, Kansas City. When they lost to Kansas City, people said uh, – it was a few years ago, I think. This is this is the end of the dynasty. And shockingly, what is this? In the first five weeks, I believe, Brady is 43-26-3 uh, against the spread. Good for a 62% clip. Yeah, just like – Blind bet the Patriots. Oh, it turns out that applies all the time. It's not sometimes. It's always bet the Patriots no matter what happens. Bet the Patriots, bet the Patriots, and print your money. Print it. Um, I'm going with the Dolphins plus six and a half here. Uh, the weather is really the biggest issue for me here, um, and I would have loved to have gotten this game at seven, but I will still take them at six and a half. I think that the Ravens, while they're a good team, uh, they're not the type of team that's going to, you know, blow teams out for the most part. And they're also a much better team to target when they are playing in Baltimore. So uh, give me the Dolphins on what I think is undoubtedly an, an inflated spread right now. For my, what is number four, I want Seattle. Give me all of any team that gets to play Cincinnati early in the season. Uh, looking at the road of his team splits app, uh, they are a different team, shockingly. They're not as good without A.J. Green. Wow. Uh, the outer split. Yeah, I know. You'd be surprised, but uh, A.J. Green actually makes a pretty big impact. Uh, they score almost, they score over two and a half points more with A.J. Green in the lineup. Their win percentage is significantly higher if you project it over a full season. They'd win 9.4 games to A.J. Green. And I'm sure some of this is annoying, especially when you look at the outer split. The outer split sample is only 18 in A.J. Green's career that they played without him. But in those games, they would pace for 5.3 wins. Uh, their points, their points for different, their points, uh, Pythagorean win expectations. This is, I thought this was very cool that we can get this in the, in the road of his game splits app. Cause I mean, that's, that's kind of, I mean, I, I was low on road of his apparently, but the Pythagorean win expectation, which sort of accounts for the, the actual points as opposed to just wins and losses that normalizes for close games versus, uh, you know, beating your opponents pretty badly. 
They're still obviously a better team with AJ Green on the field by about a little over a win. Uh, just let's sell all of the Bengals, especially when you look at their offensive line too. Uh, of course, Seattle just acquires Javion Clowney just in time to play PFF's 27th ranked offensive line. This is going to be a bloodbath. Yeah, and I mean, it, it may be a small sample size without AJ Green, but a large chunk of that sample size came just last year. And we saw the effect that not having him had on their offense. It was, it was brutal. So, uh, I, I like that call there. Uh, for my third pick, or my fourth pick, sorry, I'm gonna go with the New York football giants getting seven points versus the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, Zeke's back. Don't care. Uh, I <laughs> honestly don't even know how much of him we'll see in this game. Um, but either way, I think that, uh, the, Seven points in a divisional game is just uh, pretty tempting and, and hard to pass up for me. I'm going to double down for my last of my pick five and go with your take of the Baltimore Ravens getting beat by the Dolphins against the spread at six and a half, except I am going to change that to the total going under, which I think correlates well with the Dolphins beating the spread, which is why I say I'm backing you as well, because I think both are good bets. I think you also have a very solid out if the weather ends up being pretty inclement. Also, the Ravens' defense could absolutely stifle Miami, and then they just run the ball a lot. Like There are so many outs for this one. The Ravens are like projected to uh, – they're against the spread on the road, not a great team. I think this could be – just a miserably low-scoring game. The weather could hamper them, and we could just see both teams, one struggle to score and one not need to score. So that's perfect for the under. Even if it's low, I'm willing to take it lower. All right, I'm going to end it here. Uh, I struggled to find a fifth pick that I felt great about. I'm going to go with the Jaguars, getting three and a half at home. This is my fourth home underdog out of five picks. Uh, I mentioned that I like the home dogs early in the season. Um... But yeah, I think that this team is just more talented than their record last year showed. I think the Chiefs are due for some regression. Uh, give me the Jaguars. I will trust with the Sharps and all of the betting metrics here that say that they are the correct play. Yeah, I would say I agree with you. I I try to pick some different stuff so we get a, a range of picks. But that's if it's not number five for me, I think that'd be a solid number six. Listen, Kyle, uh, so I th- this is a competition, bro. All right. I don't know thing. We also have to differentiate is the problem. There's no, I can't no, pick. There is no guarantee. There is no need to differentiate. Our job is to make the people the money. And uh, just to go on a little tangent here, you are not going to be a winning NFL better unless you're like really good, which there's like, I don't know, a, a, such a small handful of people in the world. You're not going to be, to fair, be a winning NFL year. better if you're betting you know, 10, 15 games a week. It's just not going to happen. You need to find your core group of games that you like, and you need to take advantage. And you were saying it's hard to be winning NFL better. You didn't struggle with it last year because, actually, I was uh, I was a listener to the show because I think it's a great way to even prime for, you know, your fantasy season or, I guess, your fantasy weeks or your DFS. So uh, I think we've got the uh, the track record here on this show of winning better. So that's uh, – I have, I have uh, a tough matchup against me. Listen, I boat raced Anthony last year. Uh, he got out to a really slow start. He was like, two, I think he was one and nine or one eight and one after the first two weeks. Uh, and that was just too hard of a hole for him to dig himself out of. So, uh, I'm definitely proud of what I did last year. Like I said, I was roughly, uh, 60%, just a little bit under, but we don't, we don't rest on our laurels. You know, I need another big season. And, uh, you know, Kyle, I'm, I'm hoping that we can make some money together here. And certainly the listeners, I hope you guys have, uh, have successful seasons as well. And I think on that beautiful note about making that Gouda, that cheddar, let's bring it to a close. Of course, if you want to bet any of these lines, we get them all from my bookie and use our promo code Rotoviz, R-O-T-O-V-I-Z, Rotoviz. And of course, check out our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Rotoviz radio. Everyone, thanks for listening.
There's ghosts haunting these woods, and they're headed straight for Roaring Camp Railroads. Is it a trick? No, it's Thomas and Percy's Halloween party. And with a bounce house, pumpkin patch, temporary tattoos and face painting, plus photos with Sir Top and Pat, it's certainly going to be a treat. So get down to Roaring Camp before all the fun disappears. Weekends October 12th through the 27th. This September at local area Subway restaurants, your meal purchase will help our neighbors in need. Purchase a sub drink and chips and help us donate 200,000 meals to local Feeding America food banks. Subway meal includes any sub, salad, or wrap with any drink and chips or two cookies. For every two meals purchased through September 30th, participating Subway restaurants will donate one meal up to 200,000 meals to San Francisco and East North South Bay Area food banks. One meal is the monetary equivalent of 10 cents. Meals secured by Feeding America on behalf of local member food banks. So pick up a great meal and make a difference in the community.